Thank you for joining us on another episode of It Is A Podcast. Uh, Ryan is unable to be with us again today. He has decided to not show up, uh, so we're going to make fun of him for that. Uh, Bruce is here with me, and we are going to go through Season 3, Episodes 4 through 6. Bruce, how's the day going so far? Oh, it's going great. It's going great. Hey, nice to be here with everybody. I'm excited to talk about the uh, the three we got today. Those are, we, we some, those are good ones. They are very good ones. Uh, starting off in uh, episode four, I don't know what the name of the episode is, but grief uh, counseling. We, grief counseling? Yeah. That's a good name for it. That makes sense. Right. Yep. Um, we uh, we have Michael doing like this little stairs gag behind these boxes of papers, right? Yeah. And like this is classic. Everybody has seen this at one point or time in his life, and I swear Michael had to have just learned this, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I yeah. took it too. He right, just like learned the... it. He's he's trying to show it off to everybody. Exactly. It's just like a up dog. Right. Right. Michael heard up dog and then he tried to do it to the whole office. He <laughs> had to right. just learn this. And so they're like going and he uh, he's going down to get like pencils and stuff from the warehouse, right? Um and he he's just stealing them from Stanley. And that, in my opinion, was the best part of this gang. Is that he's like, he's doing the whole stair thing, right, of the elevator. And then uh, he just goes over to Stanley's desk and steals from him. <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the icing on the cake for me. Yeah, and I, you know, and I always thought it was funny that Stanley just didn't do anything. I mean, I know Stanley's whole stick is he don't care. But it's <laughs> like, he usually has the, you know, don't touch my shit kind of mentality, I think. And he just didn't care. He's like, all right, take what you want. Uh, my personal favorite of that whole skit is the coffee. You know, he's the like, coffee is get great. the coffee from the warehouse. That's funny. And, you know, he's exhausted by this point. Yeah, well, he's crawling on the ground the whole time. Right. Because right. he doesn't want to, like, give up the illusion that he's not actually there. Like, everybody knows exactly what's happening. But, uh, like, Michael's pure heart committing to the bit. It was, it was oh. perfect. Yeah, it was definitely a great cold open. Uh, so uh, before we go too far, there is something that I wanted to bring up to you, and that is, love me, love me, say that you love me, fool me, fool me, go on and fool me. Uh, I wanted to get that stuck in your head for oh, the thank rest you. of this episode. Oh, yeah. yes, yes. That you have. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was walking into work today, and I just watched this last night, right? And I go up, and uh, me and a couple guys were working on a part in the airplane, and I lean in, and I just start that. And, like, I do the love me, love me part, and immediately, like, on cue, all the other dudes harmonize, and we finish out that first verse. It was beautiful. <laughs> That's awesome. So, Ed Truck dies, right? Right, yep. And, uh, what like... Apart from Ed Truck, in earlier episodes, you had said that we're going to see the newer Kelly, the bigger, flashier, more like over the top Kelly. And <clears throat> Kelly's outfit in this is super plain. Like she's wearing like a brown skirt and a white top, and it's just a super plain, basic office outfit. And I was really taken back by that because you guys were talking about like her going to be more and more flashy, and I we just didn't see it. She does in later episodes after this, but just not for right. this one. Right. Yeah, you know, I think you sort of nailed the head uh, a couple weeks ago when, you know, uh, so there's stuff flushing out her character at this point, I think. You know, they it's, I think that's decided that she's going in that direction um, by now because, you know, you see it a lot in at the end of season two and beginning of season three. 
Um, but yeah, this episode she does just kind of look very casual, nothing too extraordinary. Well, no, you have talking about the uh, the gym oversee Karen. Yeah, I'm not a hundred percent what that is about, right? Like Karen is an employee; she's doing her work, and then the guy Josh or whatever his name is goes over to or ta- leans over to Jim, and he's like, "Jim, will you make sure that this happens?" As if like Jim is now her boss or something, and it's it's Jim's job to make sure that Karen does her job. Well, why, would it, why, why is that a thing? Why would it not just be Jim do his job and Karen do hers? Because Jim is the assistant manager of that branch. He really, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! I didn't know because like they don't have that in uh, Scranton. They don't have that in Dunder Mifflin, Scranton, right? You have Dwight, who's assistant regional manager, right. or, like assistant to the regional manager, but his job title means literally nothing. Right. Like it doesn't come with a pay raise. It doesn't come with. It's just to make him happy because Michael made him feel bad. Right. Yeah. So no, uh, Jan did give him that. He is the the number two. Uh, for the there as, as an official, you know, with his transfer, um, Ooh, and he even that... kind of mentions that really briefly in his first little interview. Yeah, uh, he said it came with a promotion and a pay right. raise. But like, I didn't, I didn't. He didn't talk about it. He just said right. promotion and pay raise, right? But I think it's deeper than that too. I think you know that they, they don't really ever go too much into it. But I've always gotten the impression that you know, uh, Josh there's a little bit sexist. He, he very well might be, uh, but like Andy is a little sexist too. Oh yeah. Well, I don't and, know if... see, and that's where Andy is just, he's the type of guy. And I think this is probably fair to say, even at this point, he does what, you know, he mimics the person in charge. So I think, you know, some of his sexism is probably just feeding off of Josh. Yeah, that'd be an awesome scene. Uh, now that we're, now that we're already way <laughs> ahead and, uh, off track um so yeah jim overseeing karen didn't make sense to me but that's because i didn't know that he actually got like the assistant manager position over there which makes i guess that makes a lot more sense why he was chosen to go on the thing with josh i thought they uh to the like business meeting right with uh, with michael and dwight that i thought they just chose that for show reasons and they're like oh we're gonna send uh, uh jim over right but uh, but no, if he's the assistant manager, that makes a lot more sense. I do kind of want to circle back to the. I want to make sure we do justice for the uh, how Ed Truck died. I was just about to go back to that. Uh, okay. So Ed was drunk driving. It, it stop me if I'm incorrect at any point. He's drunk driving, doing 85 on the highway. Slips underneath an 18 wheeler. Head pops right off. Is that is that correct? Is that Creed's rendition of how Ed Truck died? That is Creed's rendition of how Ed Truck dies, and it's the only one we ever know. It's the only one we ever hear, and yeah. Michael just goes with it. Creed has no, uh, like, he has no base to stand on. Where did Creed get this information? Nope, nope, no clue. <laughs> okay. I okay. mean, you know, I guess the only thing that's credible is he knew Ed Truck was dead before <laughs> Michael announced it. Oh, okay, Actually, gotcha. We did. Um, so it made me learn to believe that he, he's, you know, he heard about it somewhere else. I mean, he worked with that truck, so whether you know, who knows where he would have heard that information from. But yeah, according to Creed, he's uh, he's decapitated, and it was a whole thing. He, he, yeah, they had a funeral for a bird, right? Right. So, 
he, so Creed is the only person who knows. Creed is the only person that says anything. But like we see Ed Truck once. I think it's in the middle of season two, and um, uh, Michael comes br- brings him in because he has an issue with uh, work people, right? Oh, it was when uh, it was when Todd Packer shit on his floor. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, yeah, I had somebody do that to me once, and we're sh- we were pretty sure it was Todd Packer who did that too. Right. But that's the only time we see Ed Truck, and Ed Truck just kind of looks like an older gentleman. He doesn't look like. Granted, uh, first impressions aren't everything, but the first impression of Ed Truck looks like somebody who would enjoy sitting in front of his fire and like uh, at, at home, you know, just doing old person shit like puzzles or something. I don't know what he does, but he doesn't sound like an eighty-five mile per hour drunk driver guy. Right. You know, who knows? We don't, like I said, we don't ever really get a better explanation of why a truck dies or how he dies or, you know, I've kind of, I I think the consensus is that Creed is just, is right. And and at least that's the meta that everybody goes with is that, you know, that makes sense. How a truck died. Um, You know, who knows? I guess as you get a little bit older, you might, you know, you start trying to act like a teenager again and doing stupid stuff once you're retired. Sure. I would. Right. You know, if I'm so healthy enough, I'll be going out to bars. You know, like, yeah. yeah. But uh, the, the part that gets me is that Michael is announcing this to the whole office. He like gets out and he makes this huge speech and he's flabbergasted that people aren't upset that he is. Right. And it took me a while. It took me all the way until Pam's speech about the bird at the end to realize that the reason Michael is so upset and worried is because he's like trying to face the idea of mortality. Right. And I I don't know how I didn't catch this through the whole episode. I thought Michael was just being Michael. But no, he Ed Truck, who was his boss, died and he's in that position now. And so now to him, that's like I can now die. You know what I I mean? Yeah, exactly. And it's throwing Michael through a loop. And uh, Jan is like asking him if what would help. And I think she offers everybody in the office a day off. And Michael stops her and he's like, you obviously don't know these people. The last thing they would want is a day off. Right. Which, of course, is wrong. I mean, 100% wrong. Right. Everybody would take an absolute free day off. Um, you know, I I don't think we, uh, you know, we do a lot of bashing on Jan too for her faults, but, um, that was a fairly nice gesture. That was a really nice Uh, gesture. Yeah. You know, she humors Michael a couple more times. You know, I, I think she draws the line at the Android slash, you know, statue thing. Um, Which is fair. You don't need a robot. You don't need a statue. You don't need any of that. A day off would have been fine. Great. Or even a little, you know, maybe a commemorative plaque somewhere in the building. or Sure, but you know. Michael is, uh, he's holding Ed Truck up here as if he was like a, a military veteran who gave his life to save thousands of people or something. No, it's like he even cares that much about Ed Truck. It's because he, like you say, he's worried about himself. Exactly. So he's he wants... to act like what he would want people to act with, you know, when he dies. Yeah. Because, uh, like, we hear in earlier episodes where Michael's like, I want people to be like, who's that guy? Oh, he's the guy who donated this wing to the hospital. (coughs) Michael's biggest fear is, like, loneliness and being forgotten. Right. Right. And it's, 
I, I would be I would not be surprised. Actually, I'd be more surprised if it didn't happen. If um, further down the line, um, Michael doesn't say that line uh, that people know. That's like you die twice in your life: once when you die, and once when the last person says your name for the last time. Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if Michael doesn't say that at some point because that's a that would be a Michael quote, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. That's definitely something I can see him saying. I don't know that he's educated enough to say it though, but <laughs> I mean, he—I wouldn't doubt it. Michael surprises me all the time. Like uh, the next episode where um, where Pam is like looking at him and has to watch him the whole time or whatever—that uh, that he surprised me for that. Um, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but uh... sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk. Well, I'll ask when he we'll, gets... we'll talk about it more when we get right. there for sure. Um, his head was decapitated. His kappa yeah. was detated. Yeah, okay? <laughs> he, uh, it's just a line that he says. Right. That Michael says, and um, I think he's yelling at Pam because Pam won't give him a statue and they won't give him a robot and stuff like that. And he's yelling at her, and he's like, or Jan, not Pam. Right. And he's like, his kappa was detated from his head. <laughs> the sentence makes no sense. No, not at but, all. But Hope y'all know those, what it means. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those uh, memes that I see in the group all the time that is yeah. finally clicking for me. I'm like, ah, yes, that's what it is. Um, I see you also noted about Dwight absorbing the other fetus. That's a funny line. <laughs> he does. Because he's like, um... Am I upset about it? No, I am now stronger. Now I have the strength of a full-grown man and a tiny baby. <laughs> oh, you know the other thing I want—I I skipped on there was was uh, Roy getting Pam out of the meeting. Yo, he does. That's a huge thing for Roy, right? Because Roy right. is on this uh, this warpath to try and win Pam back, and right. so far that's all we know. And we don't know how he plans to do it. We don't know anything like that. But this is a huge step because right. uh, Pam's in this grief counseling meeting, and he comes in and he's like, "Pam, there's something wrong with your radiator. Can I see you?" And Michael lets her go, and he brings her out, and he's like, "There's nothing wrong with your radiator. I just figured you'd want a break from whatever that was." And she's happy. She's like. I did. I did want a break. Thank you. Right. I didn't want to be in there. So this shows him, you know, he's caring, he's paying attention, he's aware, like, you know, all the stuff that was wrong with the relationship before. Yeah, Roy's making a comeback, uh, man. Uh, you know, he's trying. Uh, I'm rooting for him at this point. We know Pam and Jim aren't happening, right? Um, however, last episode, you had told me that Pam, or that Jim and Karen Fapelli go on a date within these next three episodes. Cause I had said they were going to do by six or seven and you had said um, that it's happening within the next three and it didn't, it did. There's no date for Jim and Karen at all in these three episodes. Um, so. Well, maybe, I mean, I count the chips as sort of their first. Oh, um, see, I don't count right. the chips. They spent all day at work. That's just work. I stuff. know, but we counted stuff, you know, you counted that as for, for her, him and Pam's date and work stuff. Mm, that one was different, and I'll tell you why. They were on a roof. Okay, they were watching like Dwight and uh, Kevin shoot off fireworks. Uh, they were alone. It was secluded. It was at night. It was after work hours. You know, there was a lot more things there. This one was just like at work, kind of doing work stuff, but more just dicking off. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see your point, but I, I definitely think that the, the, the chips was their first little. I'm with you. It, it was a very okay. cute moment. 
very uh in there and i'm surprised she didn't get a little more upset when she's like hey i get it i don't get the chips let's get back to work and he's like no right we're gonna get you these chips <laughs> right yeah jim is good at the playfulness there um but so Pam gets out of this and Roy gets her out and I'm rooting for Roy. And like, uh, before I had just trailed off on that tangent there, I was like, I want to root for Roy right here. Right. Because, um, nobody likes Toby. Uh, I still like Toby, but nobody else likes Toby. So I don't see that happening, but Roy has a chance to maybe make it happen again. He knew where he fucked up and he seems to be trying to do stuff better. Right. And, uh, we know Jim and Pam aren't happening cause he's over in the other branch and like, they had all that chemistry on that phone call or something, but it's not, it's not going anywhere. So I hope Roy can, uh, can up his game again, you know? Yeah. We'll have to watch this. See. Um, but yeah, he's definitely trying. Yeah. Uh, what else do we get here? Um, Michael looks tan. Michael does look tan. Okay. This was something I wanted to bring up on another uh, episode earlier. I don't know if it's the lighting or if uh, he is tanning like Michael, the character, or um, I'm trying to think of his name. The the guy who plays Michael Scott. Right. Um, I can't remember his name at the moment, but I, I think he is tanning and I don't know if this is happening or not, but I'm like, pretty sure it is. I think he's in real world. He's filming something during okay. that period too. Um but he looks darker. His skin yeah. looks darker. It looks slightly more red. And I remember you guys saying that he sweats under lights real hard. Yeah. And so it could be like they put the lights on him and he's like heating up. But it's not that kind of like red light sweat. It's like he looks like he's getting more tan. And it was just something I wanted to bring up. It caught me off guard. Like, I don't know if Michael Tanning is going to be relevant to the story at any point. If, like, he's going to come back and be like, I've been spending my weekends, you know, uh, hitting the beach or something, trying to get my tan on, and then wonder if we've been able to notice the whole time or not. Right. Uh, But there was one thing about that meeting I wanted to touch on. When Pam gets back, they had waited for her. They've waited for her, so Roy's thing, like, just cut out. And as much as I'm rooting for Roy, I think that's foreshadowing, right? Uh, Roy like got her out of it and he got her into a nicer thing to not deal with work. But the moment that she comes back, work just picks up as if she never left. Right. And so I think this is a way for the director, the producer to foreshadow that anything Roy does is just going to put her right back where she was. And it's not going to end up happening. I want to root for Roy, but I think this is like an ultimate form of foreshadowing here. Yeah. Um, again, I think that's a very astute. Uh, I'm not sure, you know, I'm not going to confirm whether you're right or wrong, but uh, I think that's a good observation for where you're at. What else do we want? Lion King Ryan. That, yeah. Oh, dude, the grief counseling stories are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's trying to tell people things. And this is a moment where I would have seen Jim come in and offer something, but uh, other people kick it off. Uh, Ryan does Lion King, but I don't remember who goes for him. I think it's Kevin. No, Kevin does Weekend at Bernie's. Who right. Who is the first one? It's um, like. Um, Pam does Million Dollar Baby. 
Pam does Million Dollar Baby. Yes. Okay, so Pam does the story of Million Dollar Baby, which is super, like, believable. And then Ryan brings it, like, way out in left field with, like, South Africa and uh, uh, Mufasa and stuff like that and trampled by wildebeest. And (laughs) And Michael's still buying it. He's still still buying it. Yeah, he's like, oh, wow, do you want to talk about that? And he's like, no, it was, uh, I would need an hour and a half to fully, fully talk about that experience which is the runtime of uh you know lion king and then i think it's kevin who starts talking about weekend at bernie's and michael gets that one right which is you know of course he gets weekend at bernie's and of course Mm -hmm. kevin although you know you could look at his reaction too and say that once he realized kevin was that's why he said yeah i think he says something along the lines of nobody's taking this seriously or that's fair Something. Yeah, so I think he does say something like that. At that point, too, you know, it's it's one of those things that we don't know for sure. But well, I, I mean, you know, either way. Yeah, he's just trying to do his job, right? Like, if he can get him depressed by the end of the day, he'll have done his job, right? God. <laughs> I love the fact that when he's looking at the camera and he's talking about the stages of grief, there he's reading them off his PC, like just blatantly. Grandpa aired so, in the old oil drum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that. But I think we're still in. Is that? Is that in this episode? Grandpa being buried in the old drum. It is. Yeah. It is. Okay, so we learned that um, Toby killed a bird. Karen speaks French, and Dwight's grandpa was buried in an old oil drum. Let's hit on these three things, okay? Michael blames Toby for the bird's death, like outright. He goes, Toby killed this bird. Right. Toby was just happened to be standing there when the bird flew into the wall. Right. Right? But blame Toby. No, yeah. Yeah, it was just outward hate towards Toby. Un- unneeded outward hate towards Toby. Uh, it is kind of shitty that Toby just left the bird there and didn't, like kill it or something uh karen speaking french okay so i know that they're close to canada because they call canada to check for her chips right that's why we know she speaks french um do we believe that karen is french canadian or something and came down or that she has ties to france or do we think karen is a uh, like high school french learner who actually just kept up with it um she has like that darker skin tone, right? Um, Rashida right. Jones, the actress, is I don't know what her nationality is, but she has that like French Canadian Louisiana Creole kind of skin tone about her. Not necessarily the facial structure, but the tone. So, yeah, there's uh, you know, I think this is one of those that I'm going to abstain from okay. from answering because there's a a semi-significant plot point about that coming up here in the next next week actually um, okay for one of those episodes so yeah yeah let's leave that one <laughs> okay about yeah, you know, uh, that is, whether or not really, she's canadian uh, totally side note yeah what her well more than just canadian what her ethnicity actually is um because that does come up later on okay that makes sense okay before we get to that we got to get to grandpa is buried in an oil drum because he says re-buried in an oil drum. It's not just buried. So this is uh, this has to be... Here's, here's the timeline I'm thinking, right? Dwight has Grandpa's suit. And like we said earlier, Grandpa's suit doesn't have holes, um, even though they shoot them. So this has to be the Grandpa that was uh, dug up, that was exhumed, and was scratching at the coffin. Okay? So they took the suit off of him. Dwight pulled him out. And then he went to re-bury him in an oil drum. 
because obviously the coffin's messed up or they're going to reuse it or something because they derobed him and all this stuff. And then so uh, Dwight got, uh, or people got upset because Dwight tried to rebury Grandpa in an oil drum. Is, is this timeline making sense to you? Because it makes sense to me. I had never put that together, but yeah, that's making sense to me now. Okay, so the suit that Dwight is wearing is from the dead grandpa that got exhumed because he was uh, messed up, which is now why they shoot people, right? right? So that uh, that's what it's got to be. That's why Dwight uh, has his suit. That's why he was reburied. That's why it didn't have holes. Uh, that's lining up in my head. Yeah, I mean, it thoughts. makes perfect sense to me too. Um, you know, the some of the 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 details that we learn in season nine about it are a little bit fuzzy. So, you know, there might be something in there that, that all suits it. But from what I can remember, that's lining up, but that's a great, yeah, God, that's true. That's, that's, that's great. Okay. So we, so we have that back to the recorder. Cause you had asked, um, Pam is making this box for Dwight, right? Uh, cause Dwight's trying to make the box and he's doing a terrible job because he's trying to shove the bird into a Coke can. Right. And, um, Pam is making the box. She does a beautiful job on this little box and she's doing it because she knows how much it affects Michael. Pam, Pam seems to get it. She understood it before I did. Right. right. And I was weirded out by Pam's like effort into this until her speech. And then I got it and I'm like, okay, this makes sense now. But uh, she hands Dwight the box. Dwight is excited about it. And then she says, Dwight, do you have your recorder with you? And he goes, always which is weird for one we record is a terrible instrument. And she's like, well, do you think you could play something on it? And he's like way ahead of you. Right. And starts like he, he gets excited. So that's what the recorder is, is during the funeral for the bird where they're burning the bird, by the way, uh, <laughs> Dwight is playing music on his recorder. And I don't know what the song is, but it sounds bad. And that could just be the recorder. Right? Yeah. Well, like you said, bad. it's a terrible instrument. It's yeah. Not- I don't know that I've ever even heard, even people who play it well, it doesn't sound good. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the Vikings yeah. for the bird, and you know, in a real, can you imagine how, one, I don't really think you're going to get a fire hot enough to truly uh, burn the bird that way, you know, to properly do it. I mean, the bones will be left, right? But right. uh, it's just a paper fire, and paper fire burns to like five hundred something degrees. Yeah, I don't like that flesh muscle and. Oh, not really. Not yeah. for not for human, but for a bird that small, maybe. Maybe, yeah, you're gonna be ended up with an ugly mess though to still deal with. Oh well, they ended up with an ugly mess. Uh, I don't know if it's on your version, but on my version, after the credits rolled, um, it was like a ten second scene where Dwight went out with the fire extinguisher and he extinguished the burnt box and then just like stomped on it and then there's like he's stomping the dead bird body into the ground and then there's two dudes sitting out there who aren't they don't look like warehouse guys and he's just like get a broom get a broom and clean this up i told you to mush and then he yells mush he he tells these strangers that i don't know to mush like what (laughs) the fuck Yeah, yeah You know, I hadn't seen that on this rewatch, um, but I have I, now that you were in that scene in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that's an actual deleted scene or if that's just a, you know, a scene they tack on. You know, I'm not sure what that is, but I know I've seen it, but I didn't see it on this watch through. So right. maybe I just ended it too early. Maybe. Too, yeah, yeah. Because it was like it was credits started to roll. 
and then it was like after the first couple of credits it does the scene and then it does the rest of the credits so almost like a marvel movie right Um, but pam's speech get ahead of itself a little bit like when it knows that you're coming down to the last two or three minutes it'll give you the you know skip to next episode option oh yeah yeah same kind of way that like netflix does so you know a lot of times i I skip before even the credits start, like, you know, a few seconds. As soon as that pops up, I'm usually going. So that mm. could have been awesome okay, that makes- just to see that again. That's a good scene. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Pam's speech is beautiful. Yeah. She's like, uh, we don't know anything about the bird, but we do know that he wanted to be with us. And he wanted to hang out with how cool we were and give us his song and stuff. And I think somebody says, like, it's, I think Dwight says, like, it's not a songbird. And she goes, okay, fine, a good impression. Right. <laughs> yeah, of course, Dwight, yeah, he ruins the moment. But, but yeah, Pam, Pam likes, you know, I'm not sure that I would say Pam likes Michael at this point, but Pam has a good heart. Yeah, I, I think no matter, you know, mm-hmm. who is, she doesn't like to see anybody in sort of that state, you know, that. Yeah, exactly. Like Dwight was having an issue with Angela and she helped Dwight, even though he was an ass to her. Michael is having an issue with Jan earlier. And uh, even though the advice she gave him wasn't great, it was still advice that made him feel better. Right. You know, like, and uh, especially with this bird thing, there's probably more instances that I'm not thinking of right now, but she's doing a a pretty good job of like trying to make everybody else feel better. Uh, Even when she invited Angela, she invited Angela to her wedding, even though she didn't want to. Right. Granted, the wedding didn't happen, so that doesn't really matter, but whatever. But uh, we do have to move on. This is an amazing episode. I'm very happy that I watched it. Um, there's a, there was a lot to unpack in this, right? Yeah. But into episode five, do you know the title of episode five? Initiation. Initiation. That makes sense because right. of all the shit Dwight does to Ryan. But we start this episode with um, brain teasers, right? Uh, Dwight looks over at Ryan, who is be-sitting at Jim's desk, right? And he gives him these brain teasers, and Ryan has heard all of them, and it pisses Dwight off. And to me, it doesn't piss Dwight off because Ryan is smart. It pisses Dwight off because Dwight cannot uh, feel superior to him. You know? Dwight, yeah. Dwight would often feel superior to Jim for one reason or another, and that would be like a part of his day, I assume. And he's he's not getting that from Ryan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd agree with all that. I think I may take it a step further too and say that he was, you know, he wanted to be that mentor. So you know, it's hard to be somebody's mentor when they, they know all the stuff that you're asking them. Um, yeah, like if they already know all of the stuff, like right. what are you really doing? And what do those, you know, any of those, you know, trivia brain teaser things have to do with, you know, the job really doesn't. Well, I mean, what does anything Dwight tries to teach him have to do with the job? Yeah, nothing, you know, nothing. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll go by, you know, through it here in a little bit, but. Oh, we, we're really, going to have. The only man. stuff that he gives Ryan that's really of any value as far as sales goes is in that rush the last five minutes, you know when they're rushing to the actual thing and he, he, he helps him in the car. Yeah. He's like, uh, leave the, the conversation, conversation. Uh, yeah. positive question. Yeah. Stuff like that. But everything else is just like, um, 
He's like, you have to wrestle Moe's to the ground. Right. <laughs> and Moe shows up with a shirt that says fear on it. He's like, conquer the fear. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Oh, hey, God. But, um, Jay, we're talking about, let's say, Trump back. Uh, Jan mm-hmm. is super pissy again in this episode. Yeah, this, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this is the episode where Jan is real pissy, and she asks Pam to do an hour-by-hour thing of, like, what Michael does during that day. Yeah. Which is not good for Michael, because, one, it's also Pretzel Day. Right. And so, like, Michael's doing nothing, and and Pam knows exactly what she's doing, right? Because Jan's talking about, like, how useful people are. And right. she wants to record Michael's usefulness. Right. And this is the one where Michael really surprised me. Possibly the branch, because we've we've already seen that there's um, some kind of indications that, you know, there are discussions about closing the branch, you know, which branch is going to be the next one to close. I yeah. And about it and, to Michael last week where he's talking, you know, at the at the sales event thing where he talks about he'll make a spot for him if they absorb his branch. The pilot, yeah, they, um, they were doing you know, that about it. Yeah, uh, they were talking about it during the section in New York, right? Where Michael's going off, uh, and they're like, Michael humanizes his crew by making that weird video, and the other right. guy like doesn't bring any sales numbers. So that guy's in the tank right now, right? Right. Was Josh at that meeting? I don't remember seeing the the character Josh at that meeting. Do you? Josh was at that meeting. Yeah. He was okay. Then I'll I'll re-see it on a rewatch or something later, but um, um, he was the one who said right after Michael said about pay, or uh, you know sleeping with uh, Jan. He said you. He was the one who says you slept with Jan or I okay for exactly how he phrases it. But that was his, that was like his only speaking line. Like I think he may say something little in the David when David is there, but not much. So it doesn't okay. surprise me that you don't remember him all the way there. Plus, you know, it's like that wasn't really the, you know, point of this moment there. Um, the moment wasn't to meet Josh. It was to uh, have weird interactions with David Wallace. Right. But we what, find out a to, couple of you know, things. I, I don't know if you've seen people in the group using the term Daddy Wallace. Uh, no, I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, that's all the, you know, people who think he's cute, you know, that they're all, they call him Daddy Wallace. So, all right. Daddy Wallace, that's who they're referring to. So, Dwight tries to initiate Ryan into what he's like, Dwight's Army of Champions or something, uh, which is super tacky. Also, I don't think it's, uh, has anybody. I think it's just Dwight. Um, well, I guess in Moe's, but Moe's kind of lives in that barn. Okay, that, can we talk about that barn for a second? I know it's skipping forward a little bit, but like this barn creeps me out. My, my wife and I are sitting here watching this and we look at it and both of us say the same thing at the same time as if we're like mind linked and we go, that looks like the barn from saw. And it, it might be, but fuck is it creepy? Okay. I don't know if all barns look that creepy from the inside, but this one does. Um, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, you're right. It did definitely look creepy. I think the, uh, I think Dwight creeped it up a little bit too, just for the, you know, like I think he mentioned at some point that they, you know, they took the animals out or he asked Mose, where's the animals? He did ask Mose, uh, where's the animals? Yeah. So I think, yeah, it'd probably be less creepy if there was some actual animals in there. You didn't have mm-hmm. some strange guy named, you know, with fear across his shirt and the creepy music. But yeah. I mean, that's what he was going for was creepy. Um, cause you know, he, Ryan just walks into that, not knowing that it's, 
Um, yeah, because he's just out in a cornfield at first, right. and then he's like planting a beet seed, and then he just has to like walk to the farm, and there's a bunch of weird shit with that. With uh, yeah, with yeah, you know, honestly, though, that whole set of skits with them and their interaction. I mean, I won't say I dislike it. It's just it's not one of my one of my favorites at all. That's they're too, it's just too stupid. I I hear you. I... Man, I, I don't think it's too stupid, but it definitely hits pretty high on that stupid meter. Yeah. Because, like, we we know Dwight is dumb. We know Dwight is weird, survivalist man, right? And I, I don't know, because it, it, feels, it feels super weird. Like, he's just doing over-the-top weird stuff with him. Right. And it, it might be through this lack of, like, human connection. Because, you know, he's a shrewd, which means they're brought up weird. Uh, his main, uh, like, girlfriend right now won't talk to him in public or, you know, announce their relationship or anything. Uh, his best friend, I-, I would say his best friend Jim doesn't um, hang out, or not Jim, uh, Michael doesn't acknowledge him or like him. Uh, you know, his co-worker Jim would play pranks on him all the time. And the relationship they did have was based off of, like, camaraderie of uh, mutual angst against each other. Right. I would say that Dwight doesn't really have a good amount of human interaction. And I, I don't know. It's just kind of him trying to interact and, you know, sustain a friendship with, uh, with Ryan. And he goes about it real weird, but I think that's just because of who he is. Because his character and his, you know, lack of uh, lack of normal interaction with people. Right. Social skills. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely yeah. not, he's not, he's not a social butterfly by any means. But even when he's trying, he's just creepy. Because I, I 100% believe that Dwight was trying to become friends with Ryan. And this was his way to try to, you know, accomplish all of that. Yeah. But what I did was push him the other direction. Yeah, because, like, he tries to say super motivational things and stuff like that, and they come off weird. That's like, just as you have planted your seed in the ground, I will plant my seed in you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you know what you're saying. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think he does. But yeah. um, it, it sounds like something inspirational that you would see in, like, a Star Wars movie or something. Uh, or in, like, a Lord of the Rings edit or something like that, right? And well, wait, you get the other side of the joke, though, right? Obviously, yeah. He's talking about uh, having gay sex with Ryan. Okay. Yeah, but uh, Dwight doesn't get that, right? No, Dwight, uh, I don't think Dwight gets that at all. Yeah, I don't think Dwight gets that at all. But Ryan does. <laughs> um, so that, I, I, we kind of went off on the tangent from like all the cornfield, but that's fine because it's all in this episode, right? But right. if we go back to, to Michael and his like his pudding pop impressions here's a question for you does bill cosby in his life ever actually say jello pudding pops because like that's the only impression people ever do from him and i don't know if that started from somewhere or if that bill cosby actually ever said that um i mean i think he was the i think he did their commercials oh did he I'm pretty sure Bill Cosby did do pudding pop commercials. Yeah, it's a Jello pudding pops ad with Bill Cosby in it from 1991. 
Okay, that makes way more sense. Oh, it's also 1983. So he did a couple uh, Pudding Pops commercials from 83 to 95, it looks like. Yeah, look, there, there's a bunch on here, 89, 88. Yeah. Like, I think okay. there's spokes, you know, off and on spokesman for a good chunk of the 90s there. Okay, that makes so much sense because for a while when I saw this, I didn't realize that at all. And I had thought the often like Jim, or, uh, Michael making fun of Bill Cosby, just saying pudding pops over and over in that place is what would have started it. So for, for uh, like the half hour I was watching this, I was like, Michael started the Bill Cosby pudding pops. And I, w- I was blown away. That's not true. Bill Cosby did it in his right. advertisement for Jello pudding pops. <laughs> Even though we don't talk about Bill Cosby, <laughs> I mean, we can still talk about Bill Cosby. Like, uh, you you can can't like have all of this um, influence on an area and just have it go away because you're an asshole and you do some real bad stuff, right? You still had that influence. People still use like Nazi science, right? It's not cool, and we don't talk all about the fact that that's what it is. But like it, to say that Bill Cosby didn't have an influence on the uh, you know the comedic scene or stuff like that well, it would be a disgrace to comedy. True. Yeah. Before we get to Pretzel Day, I want to talk about Andy's acting. Okay. So we have this squeaky chair in the other uh, thing, right? We're going back. We're like switching branch to branch because we got to keep up with Jim too, right? Right. Bill's Karen's chair. And uh, so Karen has the squeaky one and he, Jim's not getting up, right? Karen's like, I'll just take it when you get up. So he doesn't get up at all. And then, so Andy comes over and for Karen is acting to Jim. He's like, Oh, Jim, I got to talk to you over there. I need you to stand up and walk over there and just does the absolute worst impression of something. And I think this is amazing because this is an actor who is currently in a role acting also trying to do bad acting at the same time. And he pulls it off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you think about it that way and you're like, that's pretty solid. Right. Cause you're trying to be a character trying to do something else at the same time. It's like Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. You're like, you're a dude playing a dude playing another dude. And uh, this was solid for me. I had to take a second and go like, ah, oh, that, that was pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he's definitely a good actor. Um I like him in a lot of stuff, you know, pretty much everything else that he's in. Mm. He does other stuff pretty well, too. Uh, there's a couple other movies that he's in that I can't think off the top of my head, but I know anytime I see this guy, it's normally pretty solid. Uh, the Hangover Trilogy is probably... Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, he's great in the Hangover Trilogy. He loses his teeth and stuff like that. Yep. Uh. I do a hooker. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he never quite blows up as much as Steve Carell, but I mean, he does a he did a fair amount. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Steve Carell's like career went uh, completely off the side between Forty Year Old Virgin, and there was a couple other things that he was in at the time. Um, I think it's like called Punch Drunk Love or something. There's a movie with him that's like a romantic comedy, and there's a couple oh uh yeah i think that's it. there's a couple of things though that Steve yeah Carole bruce almighty evan almighty um both of those you're right he's in uh bruce almighty as the uh teleprompter or telecaster guy and then he stars in you know his version as evan yep. almighty, you know as Noah, or he's like a new noah uh, and 
Evan Almighty became more popular than Bruce Almighty too. I see people quote that and not the Jim Carrey version. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, the whole tangent, I'm not sure what happened to Jim Carrey. He just sort of... Um, but Stanley can move, dude. So they say it's pretzel day, and Stanley gets out of his seat so goddamn fast. Okay. Like, I swear there's an earthquake and Stanley's daughter is in danger. I have not seen this man move so fast in my life. <laughs> he likes pretzel day. He does. He, uh, he, he goes to sleep in a bed that's too small. Okay, to send his daughter to a school that's too expensive to come to a job that don't pay nearly enough. But on Pretzel Day, he likes Pretzel Day. He does like Pretzel Day. <laughs> and I mean, you got to take the little things in life to get you through that, uh, to get you through whatever, right? Right. You know, and that's the one thing that I'm really sad about. And, and again, this might be a possible spoiler, but I'm just going to tell you this is the only Pretzel Day we see. Is it really? It is. And I'm Dude, like. The sh- show's going on for nine seasons right you know i would have really liked to, to see more pretzel days but yeah we we, we just get this one yeah because you have other shows like um i don't know if you ever watch brooklyn 99 right but they do their halloween haunt every year yeah uh, they do the heist and stuff and they do it every single season yeah, and i think they do it too much even and like I, I the office could use something like that maybe not because it's the most popular television series of like all time according to streaming numbers so maybe i don't know what i'm talking about at all but like there there should be something that's like a reoccurring thing right yeah yeah i don't know that we really i i think probably the closest thing to a recurring theme throughout seasons is christmas okay i think we get a christmas episode almost every season Okay, I'm interested in that. Um, Which means if there's nine seasons and there's nine Christmas episodes, then we know that we we didn't get a Christmas season in season one, though, did we? But no, we there is in the UK version, but there's not in ours. Right. So two, yeah. So I think there's eight. Mm -hmm. Um, Last one's my favorite. You'll get there though, but okay. This uh, so this is where. We, we switch back, right? Because they go down the line super long and they're standing in there. And I think uh, Vance from Bob Rant's Refrigeration uh, tries to cut in line with Phyllis and Michael and Stanley team up and they're like, no, no, back, back of the line. Back of the line. And she's like, I'm just talking with my husband. Like, it looks like you're cutting. And they, they chew the shit out of her for this. Yeah, yeah. And even, even Vance kind of looks at him like, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I do want to turn it back. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but you know, while all this is going on, we still have the Pam thing going on. Where Pam's supposed to be watching him. Um, yeah, he does. You know, she brings the papers down to him in line. She offers to stand in line for him. Mm-hmm. You know, and all she needs is him to sign an initial, what nine pieces of paper, and she Something can spin like that. that into a whole day's worth of work. You know, spit like. He approved, you know, went over budgets and, you know, did all this kind of shit that makes it sound like he spent a lot of time on it where really he's just signing. She can't even get the motherfucker to sign. No, she can't. And we know he has a hard time signing papers because there's a whole day of it that's like uh, once a year where he doesn't sign papers all day and everybody has to stay late. Right. And he's practicing his signature. Yeah. Up on the other end. And, you know, I, I can't remember who says it. Is it Pam or Stanley? Somebody says, why don't you, you know, practice on the paper you need to sign? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there's just something in his mindset that that that's just that little bit of, like, 
He just doesn't click right. Right. Um, you know, and I don't it, know that we ever truly see what she turns into. We didn't see anything in my version of the episode. Yeah. We didn't see. But um, we know he does work, right? Because we think he's just over here making calls to people, doing dumb impressions and stuff like that. But he lands like some massive sale or something like that from the dude he was making Bill Cosby impressions to. Right. And that's huge. And Pam tells him, she's like, Michael, this, they just sent these papers over. This is a massive order. And he's like, meh, 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 and like brushes it off. And like, here we go again, knowing that of Michael's good salesmanship. We already know Michael's the best salesman in um, Dunder Mifflin Scranton, right? I believe if Michael was still on the floor, I think he would outsell Dwight. I think he would outsell Dwight without a, without a problem between having the county and whoever this client is and all that stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. I think, you know, given the proper time yeah, you know, to settle back into that role, he would. I think he would be great again. But, you it's, know, I think we saw it a little bit where he tries, you know, he takes up Jim's clients. Is that in season two? Uh, yeah, yeah, he takes yeah. up Jim's clients and he doesn't I mean, do great. That's a fair comparison, but... Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely see where you're coming from. And so in in this, though, we know that Michael is doing like more than a full day's work. We don't know how long this sale has been building up for. We don't know anything like that. But we know that he lands this massive sale for the company, which is huge. And he may be off getting a pretzel. He may be doing stuff like that. And in other episodes, it really seems like he does close to nothing, right? He does real close to nothing. And the day just goes by, but obviously that's not true. Because... But and then by the same token, though, you could argue that he's still not doing his job. He's not sales. You know, true. maybe stuff that's helping, but he's not doing the stuff that he needs to do as manager. No, he's not. And uh, like as manager, he there's probably a lot of paperwork that he needs to do. There's probably a lot of like branch logistics and stuff that should be going through him, and he's he's not getting those done. Right. I mean, no doubt he's a great salesman, and, and that's one of his strongest suits, but he's not really a great manager. No, he's not. And, I mean, Jim tells him that he is in one of the other episodes. He's like, oh, it's not you. You're not the reason I left left because of Pam. You were a great boss. Mm-hmm. And we know that's not true, but well, he's going to no, say that. Great boss. I, he, I, you know, see, that's the difference. Um, that's where, fair. A great boss is not a good manager necessarily. Right. Like, you know, I, I've had some bosses that they they suck at managing because they let you get away with whatever the hell they want. But they're a great boss to have because they let you get away with whatever they want. Um, but as far as, like, the company's perspective, they may or may not be a good manager. I think you could argue it both ways. I'm not sure where I really set, you know, you could ask me tomorrow and I may have a different opinion on it. For sure. And I think that's one of the things that kind of, you know, you'll start seeing with the, the fandom is we're, we're all, we talk about this rewatch, you know, um, people have different, you know, fan favorite, they have different characters that they really like on this rewatch versus ones that they hated last one. And they like those ones now. It's, it's very, it's strange to me how organic the show still is on every rewatch for people. Um but I think it's because they, they hid so many little things in there. I think, you know, we're catching a lot of them on your first run because we're talking about it, you know, in depth. But Sure, and taking you know, notes. Uh, there'd be a lot, of, you know, a lot of stuff that you would have missed on your first run. Oh, uh, 100%. Even, even him being manager at that point, you know, you 
they bring it up again later on. You might have caught it here in a few episodes when it comes back, like, you know, right up in our face. But, uh, you know, and then you could have watched it again, and then you'd pick that up. And I think that's where why The Office has so much rewatchability is, is they do spend a lot of time putting in these little little presents that, you know, don't matter if you miss it, but if you catch it, it's like, oh, that's awesome kind of yeah. feeling. Um, so there's a, there's a hidden joke in here and I don't know if you're familiar with it, uh, but where they show a Venus of Willemdorf and I'm familiar with that, but I don't know if you are, are you? No, no. Is that a, is that a, a game thing? No. So, um, when Ryan and, uh, and Dwight are leaving Shroot Farms, right. And Dwight's apologizing and he says, Moe's feels bad. Uh, so he gave you this gift basket of uh, fat back bacon, eggs, and, uh, he, a statue that he carved and he holds the statue up, right. The statue that he holds is a very famous statue called Venus of Willemdorf, uh, or at least a replica of one. And it's an archeological, um, mystery because a lot of people originally saw it and they're like oh it must be a fertility goddess right where so we're, we're gonna call it venus and it was found in like willemdorf in some ancient town in like uh, old germanic or germanic tribes or something right and so the original archaeologist marked it down as an ancient fertility goddess because it was like carved because it's round and curvaceous you know it's got big breasts it's got a fat butt it's like a it's wide and thick and the head is just kind of covered right but with more and more speculation <clears throat> over time, people are less inclined to instantly just believe that it's some goddess, right? Because they made a statue and more inclined to believe that it's just something that some guy carved because he wanted to jerk off to it. Cause he's like, I like big tittied ladies. Right. Which for me makes this joke really funny because, <laughs> um, if if you think about it, it's like he's giving he felt sorry he's giving him stuff, so he gave him his jerk off statue. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. very I mean and that's very Moe's. That's very, very that fits in with many, many things that we'll learn about Moe's later on. So that's that is that see, that's another thing on those rewatches that you just never caught. That's great. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that up new to a lot of the viewers too. Yeah, so if you're unfamiliar with Venus of Willemdorf, take as a listener, take a second to Google it, and you'll see that statue that he held up. And uh, and yeah, a lot of people immediately classified it as a fertility goddess. And with through more and more and more research, it's more likely just something a guy carved because he wanted to jerk off. So, <laughs> so uh, Mose gave Ryan his jerk off statue. But yeah, that's definitely a good proverb. The very next episode, you know, seven sort of gives a lot of this away as to what immediately happened. So we have Diwali and then, you know, something kind of big starts happening. So, oh, the very next episode right after Diwali. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The very next. Oh. Episode, actually, the first two, the first two, you know, seven and eight are um, game changing. Gotcha. OK, that's so, interesting. Uh, and a lot of this that we're talking about with the way Pam does, you know, I think this directly plays into what happens later okay interesting we'll have to retouch on this then yeah yeah it'll be fun for next week hopefully i'm really hoping ryan will be you know either i i would like to get a guest for next week because i think those are i think those are guest worthy episodes you know especially if we don't get ryan you know back on um cool yeah i'm down to have a guest yes so if you guys are listening you know we have a couple names already but feel free to 
just shoot one of us a message there on uh you know messenger if you'd like to be on Pam types at 90 words per minute. Yeah. And uh, this is just jumping slightly ahead because she like gets on the phone call with Dwight because Dwight's trying to reach Kevin. And it's like 520 in the afternoon. Pam's not supposed to be there anyway, right? right. And he knew that here, – here's the thing. He only called, waited this late because he knew Pam wouldn't be there anymore. He's still trying to avoid her. Right. Right? And then so he calls. She picks up. And they end up talking for hours my guess is to 7 or 8 p.m in the afternoon when like ryan comes back uh because dwight and ryan went out drinking on the clock which you shouldn't but you know whatever uh, but but she talks with jim and she's talking about like how she types at 90 words per minute dude okay. that's huge like uh the fastest i've ever known was in elementary school i had a typing teacher i don't know if you had typing class in elementary school but i did i did yeah and so uh, she had typed at like 126 words a minute, and it was insanely fast. She could type faster than I could talk. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, I do want to spend a little bit of time, too, on that whole phone call with Jim. I think that was a really – that's one of those missed moments because, uh, you know, they start to reconnect. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can see in the both of them uh, sort of rekindling that a little bit of affection because I think that's sort of the first time they've probably talked where Pam's actually single. The, it is. It's the first time that they've talked since um, since Jim left. Because, like, he had said hi to Pam over the phone uh, t- as a group, where it's like, hey, Pam's on, everybody says hi, and Jim just says hi. But that's it. Other than that, they haven't actually talked yet. So it's the first time they've talked since he left. Right. And that that's huge. Like this, and this conversation goes on for hours. So you know that connection is still there, right. which makes sense because every time he does something interesting, he's like, "Man, I really want to tell Put and somebody." You know, she's like, "Oh man, she's trying to do stuff that she would do with Jim, with like Ryan or the rest of the group. She's trying to find that Jim connection again." Right. And, and she gets on the phone yeah. with him, and yeah, that the, unfortunately, I think Ryan, you know, Ryan comes in, and that, and that whole sort of ruins the moment. Because mm-hmm. she tells uh, Ryan and uh, Dwight goodbye, and Jim's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, g- goodbye." And they have this weird like back and forth, like, "Yeah, yeah, I should, I should leave," uh, you know. And then they don't want to hang up, right? But Jim does anyway, right? Because both of them think that the other one wants to, yeah, yeah, you know, I. Or Jim misunderstands uh, Pam and thinking that you know he's she's talking to him. Then you know he she's not really all that sure about trying to explain that whole thing. So yeah, they they just end that. But but I think that's the big big thing is that that it's still there. Yeah, it, it's very clearly still there, and that's how the episode ends. Is it just leaves us on that cliffhanger, and then they just leave. They just go straight into Diwali, and I'm like. I get it that you rush for time, man, and that like there's not much else you can put in there. But damn, right, right. Well, and, you know, a lot of this does it, it circles back to you know what'll happen in our first two next week. Okay. Um, I I I think Diwali's out of place um, in in the episode lineup. You know, maybe they just needed a break. Um, personally, I would have liked to have seen. Diwali maybe after the next two episodes and then you know the, these two coming up um, I'm not really sure in what you know I'm sure Ryan would have been able to help fill us in and what you know the, the filming order palette cleanser right but um, it just doesn't sit 
once you've seen next week's episodes, you're going to think, uh, well, I'll ask you next week if you think the same. It just sits weird. Okay. Uh, I'll answer that next week, I guess. Um, okay, so we move into Diwali, right? And we have the, the cold open here where Ryan or Kelly is like dressing Ryan up in this traditional uh, Indian garment. Right. And Michael's making fun of him. He's like, nah, nice dress. Ha ha ha. Right. Uh, going back to making like homophobic remarks. And then Kelly tells him that Kelly and Pam, I think, tell him how he looks so handsome. And uh, Michael immediately like on a dime snaps. And he's like, oh, what? Why didn't you bring me one? Right. Right. Like, that, the fact that another male is getting approval from females in front of him that's not him is like uh, detrimental to him as a person somehow. Right. He's very insecure, you know. Uh, that that plays into that whole. He's just he's just an insecure guy. Very insecure, and it's it's overly telling at times, right? right. Where you flip that switch because somebody else is like nicer looking than you, or something like that. Right. Shit, if I was mad every time somebody else looked better than me, I wouldn't ever be mad because I'm a fucking stunner. I tell you what, 10 out of 10. Right. Um, <laughs> me too, you know. <laughs> uh, no, like you can't just, you can't live like that though, you know? And mm, Which is gotta be a lot the of really kind of funny thing about the whole thing is, is Michael Scott is not a bad looking guy. I mean, you know, he's, he's just, he's an average looking guy. Right. If that's it not be... good enough for him. Uh, I mean, I would honestly say he's probably one of the better looking guys in the office. You know, now that it's, you know, you got probably Jim Ryan and then Michael, I, and then I don't think that anybody else is, you know, all that good looking. You're, you're right. I mean, Michael's not bad looking at all. Uh, and if he just had a slight amount of more confidence, he could do so much better with himself. Right. Um, but we move and uh, they're asking everybody like, cause Kelly obviously invited everybody to her Diwali party. Right. right. With the exception of maybe Toby. I don't know if she invited Toby or not. Yeah. You know, I, I, that's a good question. I, I can't, I didn't see Toby I there. See I don't remember there. Yeah. Being there. Um, he definitely didn't ask Pam or anything like that, which uh, you would think would be a perfect opportunity. Maybe he wrote this episode. I don't know. So, and then we get to the part where I think it's Kelly asking Dwight if he's single. And Dwight's like, yes, single. Uh, and Angela's staring him down. Like, but what does she, what does she want him to say? Right. right. They're, they're uh, things not public. Uh, I don't think they ever plan it to be public. And he's going to be asked, well, what's her end goal here? Right. Yeah. It's unreasonable. It's just Angela being, you know, she wants both. Right, because uh, uh, he could say that he's taken, but that's going to uh, raise more questions than not. Uh, I don't know. It feels bad on both sides, right? Because Dwight knows he's taken. He should say he's taken, um, but he doesn't because their relationship is so secretive. Right. Which is, you know, really her. And we'll see that. Um, yeah, we'll see that later on, too. That it. it She's really the reason, the main reason that it can't be public is, is her, not so much him. Angela is? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Angela seems to be the reason why a lot of stuff sucks. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, as bad as she is, she, she is one of my, she, she's one of my favorites, too. 
she's a great character yes right she does an awesome job playing her character yeah. and i think everybody who's listening to this or everybody who's ever watched the office knows a person like that too right. and it just hits the nail on the head so well and, but god do god is she hateable she's so yes, hateable yes, she is. I think your next point here is talking about Stanley not celebrating Kwanzaa. Yeah, yeah it is because Michael's like, when Kwanzaa comes up, we will celebrate Kwanzaa with you. And Stanley's yeah. just straightforward. I do not celebrate Kwanzaa. And Michael's, uh, you know, baffled by this because obviously Stanley's an African American. He must be good at basketball. He must play Kwanzaa. Like, shoot, Michael, why don't you just buy him some fried chicken and watermelon? Like, come on. Right. You know, one of the things I did want to jump back on too, it, it, when they were explaining Diwali. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's Dwight who actually knows what Diwali is. He, he and does. He gives the proper explanation of it. <laughs> Kelly looks at him like he's, you know, talking gibberish. Mm, and Michael and, reacts like he's making, you know, he's making fun of her. And he um, shuts him down. He's, he's like legit talking, you know, the true what Diwali is. Yeah. Um, and to go. Kelly, it's just a party. You know exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a it's just a party I get to go to. It's cool. We got cool costumes and, and yeah. her and her costumes are going to be super awesome, right? And there's going to be lights and dancing and things like that. And uh, Dwight's in there. He's talking about the ancient gods. He's talking about like how Diwali started. And good on him. And it makes sense that Dwight would know this because he's sexually attracted to Indian women. Dwight is. Dwight is. Yeah. In, um, I think it's like Diversity Day, like the second episode, uh, they go like, we got to go around the room and say a race that you're sexually attracted to. And Dwight goes Indian. Oh, okay. And then looks yeah. at Kelly, remember? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I yeah, knew so Ryan I- sort of says something along those same lines, too, at one point. So, uh, I mean, it makes sense that Dwight would know it. Right. Uh, and then Michael brings up like famous Indians. And he brings up like one guy who won a Nobel Peace Prize, and then Apu. Yeah, and, Apu from the Simpsons. Uh, yeah, and that's that's it. That's all he's got. So, <laughs> Michael might need to. Uh, yeah, and, uh, that's kind of a, an ongoing joke when Michael pulls up. You know, he needs famous people of a certain you know disposition or certain ethnicity or certain. Uh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it group, because it varies. There's mm-hmm. multiple times coming forward where he just can't, he, he can't come up with the people. So he just, you know, he uses either fake cartoons or um, movie characters. It's... And uh, th- this whole meeting gets real weird because he goes over like famous people and then he like brings out the Kama Sutra right. and like are showing it to people. And I, somebody, <laughs> I think it's uh, Toby who shuts it down. Toby shuts it down, but I think it's somebody else who talks about it. Angela. Angela talks about it. And she's like, I don't need to know these people's sexual orientation ideals or stuff like that, right? That's the, we can celebrate Diwali without doing all this. And Michael's like, no, it's beautiful and you need to know it. And Toby agrees with Angela. He's like, this, she's right. This is, uh, this is totally inappropriate. We're not doing this. And then goes and picks up all the pamphlets. Good on Toby. You know, I can see why Michael hates Toby because he shuts down all the fun stuff, you know, quotation marks, fun stuff that Michael's trying to do. Right. But really, it's just not work appropriate at all. 
Right. I'm surprised he didn't shut it down immediately when the words Kama Sutra came out of his mouth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who does keep Jaeger in their desk? Is that Meredith? No, that's Andy. Andy okay. keeps Jaeger in his desk, so they have to stay after work to oh, do the, right, right. the sales thing, right? And Andy brings a bottle of Jaeger out of his desk. And I wasn't upset at the fact that he kept alcohol in his desk. I was upset that it was Jaeger. Yeah. Out of out of all alcohol, right? Like, shoot, it would be more reasonable to keep a bottle of like black velvet or something, something awful. But but Jaeger is so out of the blue. That would be like uh having like a bottle of like lucid absinthe or something right it's super out of left field nobody just keeps jaeger yeah well you know and i don't know if you remember jaeger about this time jaeger was really big in colleges and frats yeah it was like the introduction of the jaeger bomb yeah right um you know so i don't know if that's more just a play on andy being you know trying to to recapture his his college days um i don't know we haven't got too much into that with him yet I don't even know if we know where he went to college yet. Andy seems frat boyish to me. Um, I don't know anything about Andy other than what the show has shown me. Like Andy is a character that I have seen very, very little clips of, if any. Right. Um, I see him with a guitar a lot, so I'm assuming he does a bunch of singing stuff. But Andy, to me, his character... Uh, if I were to, because remember when we did the older episodes, you would ask me like what I think of these characters, right? And so Andy to me is like college frat boy who got a job, like an actual desk job. And I don't even think he got this job of his own volition. I think somebody else helped him get this job and he, he's able to do it, but he's still in that like college frat boy mindset. Right. Right. That's uh, that that's how I see Andy so far. Yeah, I mean, I'd say that's a pretty fair, that's pretty fair. You know, I, I think the only thing I would say, he's a wannabe frat boy. I don't know that he was ever, you know, I think he always wanted to be in the in the, in that popular group. And, you know, I'm not sure that he ever was, but. That's fair. He can't really be a frat if he was in an acapella group. But, but he's definitely has that mentality of trying to be there because he wants to be that cool guy. Yeah. Ryan is shit. This guy's the doctor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ryan's sitting there with Kelly and Kelly's parents, and Kelly's parents, like, right in front of Ryan. There, there's no there's no shroud here. There's no decency here. They're just like, uh, Ryan is a big piece of shit. He's like a temp at a paper company, right? This guy over here, he's a doctor. Okay, you should marry him and stuff like that. And then, like, down the line, they get more okay with him, but not really when they realize he doesn't want kids you know he wants to go leave and travel he doesn't want to buy a house and stuff like that and they had thought that he was there that night to like ask permission to marry kelly and he is very much not right he could not be farther from it no i guess he could be farther he could be not banging their daughter i guess yeah but I get, I definitely I get what you mean, though. I do. Yeah, no, for sure. But like, he, I don't know. I, I am still weirded by Ryan and Kelly's relationship, and you keep bringing up like gasoline and fire together, and I don't see it, man. I, I see them as like oil and milk. Okay, they're like, uh, they, they're fine on their own, and they each have their own purpose, but they don't go together. They don't make anything. You know what I mean? Right. Well, yeah. gasoline and oil go together, but bad, or gasoline and fire go together, but badly. 
Sure, but like uh, you can put gas on a fire and you can build it and you can make it like stronger or something, right? They it can at least do something. You mix like oil and milk together or something, you got nothing. I don't know. I I get what you're saying. I just don't. I don't even give them that much credit. Like I don't even get go together badly. I just don't think they go together. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Threw herself on a fire. Oh, uh, he, yes. Michael is talking to people at the party. Before we get to this, we got to talk about their costumes, okay? Because Michael tells uh, Carol that um, he it's a costume party or something, and Michael shows up in a costume, and so does Carol. And Michael has his same costume from Halloween, which is just the head on his shoulder. But Carol's in a uh, in like a cheerleader outfit, so Michael just takes his head off. And Carol's stuck in this cheerleader outfit the whole time, which is really fucking embarrassing. Uh, but somebody in the group had made a comment that I that really struck me, and that is Michael's go-to co- costume is just that head on a suit, because people probably have lied to him about things being costume parties before, and if they end up lying to him and being mean, he can just take the head off, and he's just wearing a normal suit then at that point. And that, to me, made so much sense. Yeah, I saw that post, too. I, I, I'd agree. I, I yeah. Think that's, uh... It's very good headcanon. Mm-hmm. The throw herself on a fire is Michael's talking uh, with this Indian couple, and he they're talking about uh, his lady being fair and stuff like that, and they're having a good conversation. And uh, then at the end of the conversation, before he leaves, he goes, what's up with your marriage deal? Like, if you die, does she have to throw herself on top of a fire for you? And like, no. No, not at all. And then he just leaves the conversation and ends it there. And we get like uh, their deadpan faces into the camera where they're not. I wouldn't say deadpan. Um, they're they're weirded out, upsetted faces. And that, <laughs> I don't know why you end a conversation like that. Right. Yeah. I have no idea either. It's just awkward. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole Diwali setup is pretty great, right? Um, except for the weird part that it's inside of a school. And I guess it makes sense because, like, I don't know how big Scranton is, but they probably don't have, like, hotels with event centers in them and stuff right. or things like that. So the, the like, high school makes sense to host a party of this size. Right, which is surprising uh, that a high school would even let somebody run out for a gym. But like you're saying, you know, it's... It's actually super common, um, at least where I'm at. I don't know how common it was back then, but, like, my high school that I went to rented out its gym all the time. Uh, what else do we see here? We see... Um... Mike goes up and grabs the mic. But uh, before that, uh, one thing uh, I wanted to bring up. Roy shows up out of nowhere, right? Obviously, he was invited. Kelly invited... Uh, well, maybe he wasn't. There's nobody else from the warehouse there. Daryl didn't show up. Madge didn't show up. Nobody else, right? But uh, but Roy shows up. Right. And he's just staring at Pam. And then he just disappears. I don't think we see him anymore. Yeah, no. Which, uh, I feel like there's got to be some deleted scenes or something like that, that that Roy was interacting in the Diwali scene and we just don't see, or it didn't make the cut or something, you know? Um, This would be a perfect time for Ryan to chime in and he'd be like, oh man, on the Super Fans episode, it was like, oh, they were going to have him do this, but it turned out real weird and something like that. Ryan, you got to get in here. Like, uh, how dare dare you miss all these? I, I can't believe it. Right. No, no, these are um these are yeah, these are good ones. I don't think you know, I've watched the super fans pretty 
regularly too. I don't think that there's any deleted scenes because I think that defeats the purpose of it. I, I think that was what they intended was he just got scared. Okay. You know, he went there to you know try to be with Pam. You know, yeah. he figured it was a party, it was a good opportunity, you know. But I think he saw Pam socializing with other people. Um, and he just felt awkward and, and laughed. It might be another nail in the coffin for them because he didn't. I think she'd have liked it, you know, had he showed up there, you know, that might have been been something, but but I no. agree. She might have she might have enjoyed it. He seems to be turning his stuff around at the moment. I do very much like Roy better these last few times that we see him than, you know, ever before. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, at least for now. he He's starting to pick himself up. He's starting right. to, you know, work on himself a bit. And he still looks super depressed, like, in his eyeballs whenever we see him. It lo- right. He always looks like he's 10 minutes away from crying right. at any point. But, um... But I mean, he's trying to work on himself, and that's all you can really ask. Right. But uh, back to Michael grabbing the mic. He goes up and he stops the music and he grabs the mic. And um, until I had looked it up after, I thought Diwali was more akin to like a uh, to like a pre-wedding ceremony, right? Like, because um, uh, Ryan's talking to his parents, and the parents think that they're going to ask for engagement and stuff like that. So I was thinking Diwali was like a time where you would all party and get together, and then couples would announce their engagements. <coughs> okay? So that was my thought of what it was. I had went to look it up after, and I now know it's like a festival of lights. It's, clo- it's like close to Halloween time, stuff like that. So that makes a lot more sense, but... <clears throat> I had thought Michael was trying to get in on the idea of announcing an engagement on Diwali because that's what I had thought this was about. So when he got up and grabbed the mic, I'm like, this motherfucker's going to propose. And sure enough, he did, but he didn't do it for the reasons I thought he was going to do it. I was completely misled on this. He did it because he's like, oh, we've gone on nine dates. Obviously, now's the time to propose. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No. No. Oh, dude. And she tells him, she's like, Michael, this is our ninth date. And like, that's a weird way to count. Right. I would, I think after like three dates, you just start um, counting time. You know, I'm honestly surprised that she, you know, let's talk about that Carol relationship for a little bit because, you know, I think she got pretty disgusted with him at towards the end of their arrangement as far as the condo, you know, and then she sees him as just a, you know, a regular guy in the ice skating rink and he does, a really good job with her kids, which I think, you know, as a single mom, you would find that attractive. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, that guy's good with your kids. That's, um, a, that's a huge thing for sure. I'm a right. single mom. So I think I that brought her interest back, you know, and I, and I think it's that, that alone is sort of what's driving her, you know, her continued interest, but he just, and we don't really see much of, of their relationship. You know, we, we know that they've dated a few times in between then and now, and then all of a sudden he's asking her to marry him. Yeah, we see him a bit on Casino Night, and he acts really weird with her on Casino Night because it's like Jan is right there, and he's like, I always thought we had like an open thing or an open relationship, which insinuates that him and Jan are in an active relationship, and it's just open so that he can be with Carol, which is not what's happening, obviously. Right. right. Um, but like, it's real weird, and we, like you said, we don't see any other dates. 
And so it's just like we see a couple interactions and then he asks her to marry him. And it's way out of left field. Doesn't make any sense. And of course she says no. She leaves him at the party, which is pretty funny that she's like, I'm going to leave you here. You're going to find a ride home. Right. Right. Oh, you're good. You're good. Yeah. Because she's, again, she's kind of just, I don't know if the disgusted is the right word, but definitely weirded out. Mm hmm. Uh, I agree. I don't know what the right word for this is, but um, she is. She is whatever that is. <laughs> right. uh, what else we got? We got, um, you know, we, we got to touch on shoes. Okay? okay. This is this is huge for me because Angela. Uh, we, in fact, we got to touch on Angela. Angela shows up and she acts like a bitch the whole time. My notes don't say that she's a bitch, but it does <laughs> for anything else. It might as well. She goes up to the food and she's like, "I'm a vegetarian. What can I can eat?" I eat? And the guy guy goes, everything is vegetarian. And she goes, I'll just have the bread. Right? So, like, it's obvious that she had disdain for the food. Right. And then so she, like, tries to get out of it by claiming to be a vegetarian, which I don't believe she is at all. Right? Um, I don't know. I I don't really... I think it's, again, probably one of those things that might be hypocritical where, you know, she she claims to be a vegetarian. I can't think of any time where we know she eats the meat. She mentioned it before, way back at Jim's party. Okay, she did? Um, yeah, because remember, he says there's burgers or something, and she's like, I'm a vegetarian, and then he says, oh, there's soda inside. Um, okay, okay, she does say that. Say that. <laughs> so she does say that at Jim's party, all the way back in, like, beginning of season two. But I, until you brought it up, I forgot. So I thought she was just doing it to being an asshole. I thought she was just like, mm, I don't want to eat whatever this is, so I'm just going to say I'm a vegetarian. Right. But no, it, it holds up. She is. But uh, they tell her it's all vegetarian, and then she just chooses to eat bread anyway, and then complains that the bread's dry. But what she doesn't realize is most Indian dishes, you take the naan, and you dip it in the sauce. Right. Right. So it needs to be a little bit dry to soak up that sauce. You don't right. just eat it by itself. And, like, I, I love Indian food. I love all kinds of food. I don't know about you, but, like, holy shit, you put just about anything in front of me and I'll eat it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I like some Indian food. I like, you know, Chinese food. I mean, you know, different cultures. I, it's, yeah, she, different. Is there, have we got to, no, we don't. We get there next week. Okay, never mind. Okay. But, uh, so there's more about Angela and food and, is, um, that we'll see. Yep. Okay. So, continuing to touch on Angela. And then, um, I don't remember what's happening. I think Pam is talking with her about like how she's enjoying her bread or something like that. And then she like tries to tell her to go out and dance. I think she compliments her or something. And Angela's just an ass. And she's like, I have to sit here and watch her shoes so that they don't get stolen. And it's just like a pile of shoes. And this is where I found out that it was the school. Cause it's like lockers and stuff like that. Right. And God, that is just like such a bitch thing to do just be like "Mm, you know they're gonna steal my shoes no 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 no, nobody's gonna steal your shoes right except they did except they did because michael gets into the car and he's like these are not my shoes and i i don't think anybody took michael's shoes i'm pretty sure michael just left with somebody else's but it's funny that she's being prejudiced against these people the whole time and really the only person who fucked up and stole somebody else's shoes is michael at least that's how i view it Right. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, there's there's not much I don't really more to know that. why Angela even came. You know, that's the, the thing that I just don't... 
I, I agree. It's like if you're gonna show such disdain for an event or uh, for people or for their culture, it's you know, kind of like Pam said. There's no reason for you to be there. You didn't have to come. Like you, it's like Pam, Angela just likes to. She likes to do that. You know, she that does. she gets off on it. You know, uh, and she, she makes sure that she's continuously in situations where she would. If you were a normal person. And you just didn't care for the Indian culture, uh, whether we call that racist or not. I, I'm not sure, but if, if that's not your your thing, and you're not going to be okay with it. Most people right. would just not go. Exactly. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, say it's racist to not care about Indian culture, right? Let's say you have uh, your your Chinese something. You have your own uh, holidays, your own stuff like that, your mm. own cuisines, and you're just like, eh, they're fine. They're over there. I'm not necessarily for or against or whatever. I don't hate them, but I'm not interested. Right. Just not interested in it. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you I just leave that alone. Yeah, yeah. But and, she's like particularly interested in shaming it. Yeah. You know, and I don't know if that's her Christian values, you know, kind of pouring through that it's my way or the highway kind of thing. And I'm supposed to make sure that, you know, you're wrong. It's Um, gotta be, it's gotta be that strict disciplinarian that her father was right. Where she's like, um, I just got to shit on everybody else because uh, that's what makes me feel good. So let's talk about, you know, we're, uh, we're flashing back to the other branch with Andy and uh, Tuna. Yeah, and they've been taking um, shots this whole time. Well, Andy and Tuna have. I'm pretty sure Karen's just like throwing them in a plant next to her or something, right? Right. Absolutely. Yep. She's being uh, the responsible on one here. Yeah, they need it. I think it, it's it's Andy. He starts like humming something, and then Karen tells him to like shut up. And I don't know what the song is that they are doing, but uh, but Jim gets in and harmonizes with him. And it, it sets Andy off. Andy's so excited to have a homie just like singing with him. He mm. loves it. Yeah, and I think he uses that as part of getting back with the chair. Um, because isn't this where Karen says that this isn't? Uh... No, no, that was earlier with the. Oh, that love was earlier. Pool. Okay. Yeah, they gave. Uh... They gave the chair to Andy. No, they hadn't given the chair to Andy yet. She had said something. She was like, uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to send all your calls. Or something. I don't remember what she said, but she threatened something. And instead of doing anything, he just starts singing Love Fool. And she's like, stop, stop it. And he keeps singing. And she's like, this is not a fair retaliation. And he keeps singing. And she's like, it's going to be stuck in my head all day. And he keeps singing. And then they pan out or whatever it's called. And uh, you see Andy sitting there just like going ham on the lip sync with it. And <laughs> that that moment is what sold me on Andy being one of my favorite characters. Okay. If it if he wasn't like uh, misogynistic as much as he is. Oh, so, you know, and I was just reading through here and I forgot about the scene that is in the super fan episodes. Um, okay. Angela's hostility towards Diwali is explained uh, because she says some people are too interested in things Indian going back to what I'm assuming is Dwight uh, Dwight. Right. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. That makes sense. Why she's upset about so it. That even kind of clears up why she's there is to watch yeah. Dwight. Yep, she's, yeah. Oh God. It, it sucks that uh, she has zero trust for Dwight. Right. Right. I'm surprised she's still with Dwight. I was really hoping they would break up. After um, Dwight groveling in front of uh, Michael and begging for his, uh, you know, not to be fired right. and stuff like that, I thought Angela was going to dump him right there. 
Right. And I'm kind of sad she didn't. I think that would have been a perfect end to their fake relationship or whatever, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess just because Josh isn't there. I mean, I guess, but like they, they have the company card. They ordered food in, you know, they're, they're sitting there and doing work for a couple hours afterwards. And, um, that's, that's the only, this is the only unrealistic part there is that he sleeps in the office, right? I could totally see people drinking at work when, uh, there's no bosses and stuff around, but sleeping in the office in the same clothes, letting everybody in the office know that you got so drunk that you stayed there. Right. That's the only unbelievable part for me. I mean, you know, to be fair, this is the second employee that we know that has slept in an office. True, Dwight stayed there, but that was, I think we deduced that that was because Michael told him uh, he couldn't go home until Michael right. came in and <laughs> told him so. But yeah, Dunder Mifflin definitely has a little bit, um, definitely less strict policies than most corporate companies. That's true. And I guess sleeping at the office isn't the most crazy thing, right? You in a high stress business job or something like that. There's people who will sleep at the office. I've heard stories of plenty of police officers or detectives sleeping at their office, things like that. Uh, so it's not that out of the park. I guess it just seems like um, it seems really out of place for this like weird paper company. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that high stress of a job. It's like you make sales. Mm -hmm. Um one one thing I want to pick up on or circle back to is uh, back into the Diwali's area, Pam continuously checks her phone throughout the night, and Michael calls her on it on the last bit, and he's like, you waiting for a call or something? And she goes, no. And I'm I, one of two things for me, right? Uh, either Pam is waiting for Jim to call her for some reason, maybe because they had that conversation the other day or Pam invited Jim and is waiting for him to show up or respond. I think Pam invited Jim to Diwali. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that Pam would have probably maybe Kelly. Yeah. Maybe Kelly see her, you know, I, I see where you're coming from that. She was hoping that he would show up there. Yeah. And she like keeps checking her phone over and over again. And I don't know why. I don't remember anything else in the episode that she's like waiting for a call or something like it. It's not her mother or anything like that. You know, it's just like she's waiting and doesn't see anything. I mean, you know, we could interpret that as her just watching the clock, you know, that she's ready to get out of there. And she's yeah, that is very good. I didn't think going. about that. You know, yeah. the other kind of thing we could look at is, you know, you talked about Roy earlier that, um, Maybe she was hoping that Roy would, you know, text her and say he's coming or, Ooh, good point. Uh, you know, any, you know, that, the that could have been there. There's a lot of stuff that we just don't know that we have to extrapolate. Um, but I mean, I think any one of those theories holds, holds up. Yep. Uh, the, the Roy thing is interesting to think about, right? Because, like, he's doing stuff to turn his life around. Right. He is trying to be nicer and better to her. And we see that in the uh, in the grief counseling episode where he, he pulls a gym stunt, more or less, right? right. That's, a, that's a gym stunt. And so it would be, oh, gosh, I wish we had more information on this because I would love to know why Pam is checking her phone so much. Right. And it could be so simple. It could just be checking the time, right? She goes out. She's like, well, I need to make it home by nine so I get some good sleep or something like that. But I don't know. The one thing that I, I was able to look up here, when Roy comes in and sees Pam dancing, 
the song was called out in the script. What song was playing? I don't remember. I don't either. I'll have to go back through there. How drunk, I I do want to touch on Jim trying to ride his bike out, you know, and Karen giving him the ride. I think we mentioned that a little bit, but Mm -hmm. um, funny trivia fact, that is technically a DUI. He makes the joke, but it is true in most states. It is Uh, true. Driving uh, any vehicle, including a horse, is a DUI if you're drunk. I think one guy was able to get out of it by proving in court that his horse knew where to go and he was not driving it. He was just sitting there. Um, but like every everything else is, you can get DUIs on scooters. You can get DUIs on anything that's a vehicle of any sort. I don't know a horse you can get away with in Ohio. Um, yeah, I think DUI laws are, or laws are very state specific. And then they uh, they play the Eight Crazy Nights version for Diwali, and this was really good in my opinion. Yeah. I think uh, Michael did a great job on this. Whoever wrote it, great job to you. Um, if, uh, if by a chance you're the writer and, of this song and you happen to listen to my podcast, which is highly unlikely, uh, let me, let me know, give me, give me a shout out and, uh, I will, uh, say thank you personally. I know that means nothing to you. So, uh, think about that. Hey, you know, people always like to hear their feedback. So I'm not sure who did write this. Oh, it's Mindy. Mindy did. Yeah. Kelly, Kelly wrote. Okay. Uh, well, Mindy Kelling, if you happen to listen to my podcast, uh, let me know. And uh, good job on writing the Diwali uh, parody song. Yeah, the, the episodes were great. Um, season three is really hitting hard, right? Like oh, yeah. season one, I thought was pretty good. Like, uh, and then season two topped that bar, and we're getting higher and higher. We're reaching, uh, you know, we're reaching some heights that I didn't know were possible. And uh, in a quote that I don't know what comes from yet, but it's like, uh, I have no idea how high this can. Thank you for listening to another episode of It Is a Podcast featuring Ryan Scott Jones, Bruce Myers, and me, Matthew Jones. You can find us on the Creed Thoughts Facebook group. Feel free to drop by. Let us know what you think of the podcast ask us some questions, and share some memes. We would love to have you. This episode is sponsored by Shroot Burial Drums. Why overspend on a coffin that will just rot in the ground? Bury your loved one instead in a fine burial drum from Shroot Farms. Warning, some drums may contain use oil. If ingested, please contact Poison Control. We hope to see you again, and have a good day. <laughs>